And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Here's your letter. Thanks. We just got a letter. 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 Wonder who it's from. From our friends. How about them Cowboys? Indeed. All right, it's time to open up the old Cowboys draft mailbag here on the About Them Cowboys podcast on the Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome back in. We hope you've been enjoying all of our draft coverage at the Athletic. The beast has been unleashed. Dame Rugler's draft guide is up now. And if you're not a subscriber at the Athletic, you can be one at theathletic.com slash aboutthemcowboys. You get that draft guide for free. And make sure you're tuned into Dane's podcast as well here on The Athletic. Prospects the Pros with Lance Zerline and Robert Mays over The Athletic Football Show has a lot of draft stuff coming out as well. So uh, we'll just continue the trend here on the Cowboys side of things and uh, open up the old mailbag for your questions via social media. And to do so, we're welcoming in, I guess, uh, the three best friends that anyone could have. It's... From the ticket, Saad Youssef. From the Eagle, Kevin KT Turner. And from the Athletic, it's Father John Mashoda. KT, I love the draft, man. This is my favorite part of the year. Isn't it fun? I feel like that's yeah. how me and you got to know each other the most. It is. It? I or, mean, or so many memories like uh, on Saturdays in round seven at Valley Ranch with KT, you know, just, just running through those uh, those later rounds, man. It's good times. Good times and, and also a time of the year where you get tons of fan interaction, tons of questions. And we uh we basically said, look, John Michaud is the guy here. He's kind of the collector. He's the collector, so send your questions to him. And he has compiled tons of draft questions and we're thought we'd just kind of kick it around. This is this is kind of fun times, fifteen days away from the draft or so. And so John, what did what'd you come up with? Did you get uh bombarded? I did, um, but I whittled it down to what I thought were the best five or six, and uh, and then I also have one that I came up with myself to ask the group, oh. and we'll save that for the end. Um, but first off, we're going to start with Carolyn, DC4L, who says, can you explain how your last year draft and the year before draft talk would lead us to see you guys as a reliable draft source? And I thought that was interesting because... It is hard to judge a draft uh, like only a year away from it. You know, I mean, we're working on right now at the Athletic a, a redraft of 2020, and I think they're about 12 picks in right now. And 
through those first 12 picks, not to give too much away, but like the only guys that have been taken that weren't like top 15 guys are pretty much Antoine Winfield Jr. and Justin Jefferson, you know? So, and I think we, we like those guys, you know, I think we, we talked quite a bit about them last year, but so when I read that question, the first thing I, I did is I started thinking, okay, so what guys did we speak highly of last year that did well? And the ones that jumped out to me were like CD lamb, like Caleb on chase on didn't have a good rookie year, but again, I, I, I think he's going to be a good NFL player. Trayvon Diggs, who obviously they got in the second round. We talked about Antoine Winfield Jr., Chase Claypool, Cam Akers. I mean, we talked about all those guys, and I think they all, for the most part, performed pretty well last year. The ones that I thought would probably go higher in the draft, it's kind of interesting, and and have and be a little bit better than they were. And that's where I'll set, send it over to you, Katie, is uh, it's really these three edge rushers, and they all kind of fell in the draft, and I didn't really hear a ton from them last year, and that was A.J. Epinesa, Zach Bond, and Curtis Weaver. Yeah, and those are guys I remember talking about, you know, possible Cowboys um, targets right there. And, and you're right. Um, I think we could throw in uh, Yatur Gross Matos in that conversation as well. And he didn't have sure. a great year. He was the Penn State edge rusher. Um, but, I, you know, I, I personally didn't really love any of those guys where the Cowboys were picking at, at 17. I thought Chase on would be a good fit. And you go look at the year that, you know, Chase on had, and you go, yeah, well, clearly. Yeah, because he was not a game changer at all uh, for Jacksonville. Um, so you kind of look at those things. If they were going to go wide receiver and C.D. Lamb was gone, and I don't think they would have gone wide receiver. It just kind of fell in their lap because they had already signed Amari Cooper. But it is interesting to go, would they have considered a Justin Jefferson? Or how high up was he on their board? Um, you know, uh, I, I think that was kind of – you always like look at their, their needs – I know that they kind of liked A.J. Terrell, the cornerback from Clemson. You know, he went right in front of them. Um, and I don't know if they would have pulled the trigger. I think when C.D. Lamb fell in their lap, I think uh, all bets were off. But I remember that visual of Chase on when the Cowboys drafted C.D. Lamb. Like, there was just talk about how Chase on was so excited about the prospects of playing for the Cowboys. And I remember when he got drafted by Jacksonville three picks later, he almost looked kind of sad. You know, I mean, it's like a happy moment in your life, but also like, oh, man, I thought I was going to Dallas. But that's what it really seemed like it was. So I don't know how to answer Carolyn's question, though, uh, other than just like it well, would take – I, I think last you, year – like bragging on the past. You know? Last year, I think all of us mocked Trevon Diggs. I think it was like the majority pick on the show was Trevon Diggs. And, and we said if the Cowboys can get Trevon Diggs at 17, we'd feel good about that. Uh, and, and they ended up doing better than that. Uh, I said, you know, so in terms of how does it reflect on our, our, our knowledge? I don't know. I mean, we were in on digs. Uh, maybe we were too high on him to draft him in the first round, but we liked the player and he's ended up being a good player. So I guess that would be the best endorsement, uh, of the past. But, um, but yeah, it's like, I, CD lamb, I, I don't see a situation happening like that again. I mean, it's just a once in a once in a blue moon kind of draft night uh, for the Cowboys. And if you go the year before that, I mean, I think it's pretty obvious that we all did not want them to draft Tristan Hill, especially when all three of those safeties were available. I mean, I would say that's the biggest thing that stands out from that year, just because they didn't have a first round pick. So everything was all about that second round pick. And so if you're going all the way back to that, I think that was the big one. And then the other ones were, I think we talked a lot about Max Crosby and Chauncey Gardner Johnson. And I think they're both good players. And the one guy that I'd say we were wrong on is the one that probably 
you know, most of the NFL was wrong on. It was probably that, you know, defensive lineman from Florida, uh, Ja'Kai Polite. Yeah, and I, and I will say also on those group that you mentioned, John, some of it is also who, I, I, actually I shouldn't speak for both of you guys, but for me some of it is also who do I think the Cowboys are going to take versus who do I personally like more. So like Curtis Weaver, you know, the Boise connection and, and all that stuff, it, you know, it just kind of plays with your head a little bit. So I think when I when I picked Curtis Weaver a lot, it was sometimes it was just because I thought the Cowboys would go that direction um, not because I was necessarily in love with Curtis Weaver. You you know this, John. Last year, my pet cat was Julian Blackman. I thought I think he's doing pretty good in Indianapolis. Um, we thought Juan Thornhill. We were all on that train um, a couple years ago. Um, you go back to Taco Charlton. I think universally, we all thought T.J. Watt. So, yeah, it's kind of a hard question to to answer. But I think for the most part, um, you know, we do spend quite a bit of time peeling through all this stuff and so it, I think it does show at the end I, I think it's tougher too when they're in the middle uh, I guess we rule out 2019 with their first round pick was you know was traded away you go back to 2018 you're right there at 17 think about the number of names we were talking about Rashawn Evans the linebacker from Alabama uh, Harold Landry from Boston College uh, I, I think that year if I'm not mistaken oh yeah we talked about Derwin James and he didn't get to him we talked about Deron Payne and Vita Vea, would they go with the defensive tackle? You know, we talked about a lot of players. DJ Moore, the wide receiver from Maryland, came in, came into play. We were talking about well, maybe they'll take a wide receiver. Calvin Ridley. Like all these names. And when they went with Leighton Vanderush, we knew he was in the mix as well. It's just a little more difficult to predict. This year, it's way easier to predict who they're going to take. Uh, the same as it was in 2016. It was way easier to predict, predict who they were going to uh, take it for. And then also at 34, while Jalen Smith might have caught people off guard, we knew that Emmanuel Ogba and Kevin Dodd were the two guys that they had circled. And those guys were the first two picks off the board in round two, and then it was Jalen Smith. So, you know, it's a it's a big, you know, for, for me what's crazy, and I know I, I cover the Cowboys, but some of the information that I get before the draft have hit on over the last, you know, five years involved the quarterbacks moving. You know, and things like that. And that was real interesting. Like, I I feel like I'm one of the few people in the world that knew Trubisky was going it too, and there was going to be a trade. And no one believed me until it happened, you know. But it was like, uh, I remember having like a real tense conversation on air as it was happening because I was getting the, no, that's not going to happen. I was like, no, yeah, just trust me. Just trust me. It's going to happen. But like with Cowboys stuff this year at 10, got a pretty good idea. And you go home that Thursday night, you'll probably have it narrowed down. If they stay at 44 in the second round, you'll probably have it narrowed down to three or four people who they're going to take. And then you'll come in on Saturday for day three. I remember this a few years ago, going in on day three, and it was just like, hey, guys, Tony Pollard, you should just, you know, go ahead and book it. And it's like, what? I haven't, I haven't thought about this. Like, So we'll, we'll know a little more as we get a little bit closer as well. Yeah, and I, th- I think I, th- I think I've seen this in John's mocks uh, as as we've done combo mocks the last couple of years. John does this, and so do I. It's like you know sometimes we'll be high on a player, and then we'll like when we're explaining the pick, we'll be like, "Look, we're picking safety here in the second round. The Cowboys haven't done this in the last fifty years, but we're doing <laughs> it just just anyways." And so again, it's that balance of who do you think highly of, and who do you think the Cowboys are going to pick. All right, next one comes from Aaron Owens, who says, with Michael Gallup being in a contract year, 
and Amari Cooper already making big money. Could either one of them be in play in the trade market going into the draft? And uh, yeah, there's a little bit extra in there, but that's the main point of the question. So um, I think it's possible, but I think it's unlikely. I just don't think that there'll be enough that a team will offer up for either one of them. You know, I mean, Amari Cooper has a big contract, so that's not going to be, even though he played well last year, Gallup would be the more likely of the two. Um, but if you're the Cowboys, especially coming off the year you just came off of with all the injuries and that, I just sense that they want to see all these guys together and see what they can possibly be with the offensive line healthy, with Dak healthy. So it's it's certainly possible. Michael Gallup would probably be the favorite. I just think it's very unlikely. You know, if for some reason, you know, Jalen Waddle or if he was there, Jamar Chase or Devontae Smith was the pick at 10, you would know something was up. Uh, but I, I can't see that happening either. And, you know, I, I love Michael Gallup and I think he's awesome. But I do think from what I've seen on my social media feeds and just, you know, looking around, I do think. As Cowboys fans, some Cowboys fans do overvalue what he might get you back in return. I mean, there are going to be, once again, just like last year, a ton of receivers drafted in the first three rounds. I'm not sure you get a, you, I don't think you get a second rounder back. And it, honestly, if you just got a third rounder back from Michael Gallup, I don't think it would be a good third rounder. I think you would have a idea that it's a third rounder that's kind of deep in the pack, more towards, you know, 90 than you know, a third rounder that might be closer to, you know, 65 or 70. That would be and, so and I, sad if they traded Michael Gallup. Please don't. Yeah, it'd be a bummer. <laughs> yeah. But you probably you probably don't trade him. You probably keep him, and then he probably signs somewhere else in the offseason. I mean, that's, that's the most yeah. likely way I think all this plays out. Unless you, I mean, I guess he could be a franchise option after the year, but, you know, I don't, you got a lot to figure out before we get there. Well, and also you can get out of Amari's Cooper, uh, Amari Cooper's contract after this year if you decide to go, you know, extend Gallup and go full on with him. But the other thing with that is it, you have to look at the state of the franchise. When you're in a win now mode, you can't. I mean, there is a balance of looking towards the future and just like you know, how does this play out? Look, if if you think Michael Gallup being here can help you get to a deep playoff run in a Super Bowl. And if he walks for free for nothing but a comp pick in the next next uh, free agency, that's fine. It's worth it. Now, if you're a franchise that's in a rebuild mode, then you want to try to shed these these top players for as much uh, draft capital as you can get. But the Cowboys are in a win-now mode with a franchise quarterback and a running back who's probably on the verge of out of his prime. You, you want to you – and an offensive line that's not getting any younger when you look at Tyron and all those guys. So – you have to be all in on right now with an eye towards the future, but you can't sacrifice your entire future just for uh, you, you know a, a draft pick or something. All right, next question comes from Sam Williams with, who are some names of the top second and third round corners, uh, just in case the Cowboys don't grab one in the first round? Um, for me, there's a, there's a key thing here um, that I'm keeping an eye on, and it's nice that in Dane Brugler's annual draft guide, the beast there, he includes this. Um, so back in Seattle, uh, it, it, Pete Carroll is really big on this and it's, and it's 32 inch arms or, or, or longer. Like that's like a, a thing that for a while there in Seattle, several drafts, they didn't draft a single DB that didn't have 32 inch arms or, or longer. And so I think that, and that was something we heard in Dallas quite a bit with Chris Richard. And I think you're going to hear 
more of that with Dan Quinn. And so when I look at guys that could be there in the second or third round, that's one of the big things I'm looking for. So generally speaking, it's going to be your taller corners, the guys that are, you know, six foot and above. And so because of that, that's why I'm really not looking at Asante Samuel Jr. or Elijah Molden. As much as I think that they're good players, I don't know that they're the best fit for what the Cowboys would be looking at. So that's where I think you get to some guys like Tyson Campbell from Georgia. Uh, let's see who else. Mel Fonwu from Syracuse. Those are guys that, you know, second, maybe early third round guys there. Unless, like, obviously, if they can do back-to-back, if they didn't get a corner at 10, and then they can go and get Trayvon Diggs last year in the second round and follow that up by getting Caleb Farley in the second round, obviously, you know, you'd, you'd feel pretty good about that. But you're gonna, it's going to have to be one of the taller corners. I don't think that they're, that they're going to invest – even a second or third round pick, unless it's, it's not a bigger corner. I, I yeah, like that. Go ahead. Go ahead, Zod. Oh, I was just going to say, I, I agree with that. And I think when you look at a couple of those UCF corners as well, uh, I think it was uh, Aaron Robinson and, uh, and I'm, is it taste? I'm, I'm blanking on the name, right? Tay, Tay Gowan or something. Right. Um, a couple uh, of UCF yeah, corners. Yeah. Yeah. So a couple of UCF corners as well. Like I, I agree with John. At that point, you're kind of looking for those, like for, for that for a specific mold. I think I think in the early round, in the early picks, is where you look for the name, uh, Patrick Sertain, you know, Greg Newsom, and things like that. But then you start looking for what kind of mold the player is, and I think you know that what John said is dead on. I think those two UCF corners are pretty good. I I love uh, the Georgia cornerback Eric Stokes. Um, he's incredibly fast. He ran a four two nine forty. Although pro day times are, you know, I'm a little skeptical of how accurate they are sometimes. But he's kind of everything I think they would be looking for. And you mentioned the other Georgia cornerback, Tyson Campbell, John. I think he's a little more projectable, a little more athletic than Stokes. But like, you know, my my issue with Tyson Campbell is how he finds the football. You know, you mentioned Melifonwu from Syracuse. You know, they met with his brother Obi a couple years ago. Obi Melifonwu, who went to Connecticut. And was kind of like a strong safety linebacker hybrid type, and they met with him. And the the whispers that you would get back about him were that he didn't take football as serious as maybe teams would like. Uh, and they say that's not the not the case with his brother, uh, if you ought to, uh, Melifon. Which that, that's definitely a name to keep an eye on. Where does Caleb Farley fall in this draft? Is very fascinating to me because he would meet those measurables that that John was talking about a minute ago. I, I can't really see him falling out of the first round, but would he be a guy, would you package picks to go up into the 20s and take? What if you ended up with Sertan and Farley? I mean, we spent three months talking about Sertan or Farley at 10. What if you got Sertan and Farley? Would you package picks for that? And this also, this is where the signing of Jordan Lewis is a little questionable to me. And I don't know the arm length on Jordan Lewis, and maybe I need to go track that down on uh, on Dane's draft guide. But I I thought that was a questionable signing because it just seemed to not it just seemed like it, they were probably going to move on, and you know maybe they do have some free safety plans for him. I I, I don't know, but from the beginning that thirty one and five eighths for Jordan Lewis according okay, to Wikipedia. We'll round that thing up to thirty two then, right? Um, so. You know, I, but th- didn't that always seem kind of that signing seem kind of weird to everyone? It did for me at least. Yeah, yeah and because of that, I don't think that they, I don't think that they would 
package picks, and I don't even think that they would dra- they're going to draft two corners with their first two picks. I think that they're I very agree. content with Trayvon Diggs, and if they were to get Sertan at one, I think you can you're good at corner. I don't think you're going to see them maybe unless they took a flyer in the later rounds. I don't think they would go back to back, let alone have to put together what you'd have to put together to get up there. Then you're taking away other positions that you would try and target. You know, because to make a move like that, you're going to be giving up. You know, third, you're going to give up premium picks, and so to do yeah. that, then you're going to be thin at other spots. So no, I, I don't think they would do that. Yeah, and I think just real quick, the Jordan Lewis signing was a little curious to me as well, especially because of the Anthony Brown signing one year ago. So it's like, you know, I feel like you already had that depth slot corner type guy that you didn't uh, need to repeat again. Can I can I ask you a question? I know we're taking questions from uh, from our followers here, but if it came down to Sertan or Rashawn Slater, the tackle slash guard from Northwestern, what do y'all think they would do? Sertan. Right right now I think I think that he, I can this is exactly how I feel like it would be. Uh if Jason Garrett was the head coach, Rashawn Slater, now that Mike McCarthy's the head coach, Patrick Patrick Sertan. I agree. I think it'd be Sertan too. Okay. Horn, Sertan's gone. JC Horn, the cornerback from South Carolina, or Rashawn Slater. I, th- I think they'd still go with J.C. Horn. I just don't. I don't know that they necessarily view offensive line the same way that it was viewed under Jason Garrett. You know, like obviously they want a good offensive line. They have, you know, if Tyron Smith and Lyle Collins and Zach Martin are all healthy, then you're in good shape. Um, and I'm not saying that they won't target an offensive lineman in the second or third round, but at ten, right there, I think it's going to have to be Sewell for them to really give it some serious thought. Do you think they would love trading back? Would they trade away from those players? If uh, let's say uh, let's say Mac Jones is there, I still don't think Mac Jones is going at three. Let's say Mac Jones is at ten, and let's say the Bears at nineteen. I know we talk about the Patriots at fifteen. Let's talk about the no the, the Washington's at nineteen. The Bears are at twenty, I think. That the Bears came up. I I mean I would be interested in it. I just I find it hard to believe that if Mac Jones is the one of those quarterbacks there. I think that's your least advantageous tradeback scenario. Oh, for sure. Because if he falls to 10, then it's just, okay, it's just like everybody thought. You know, there's this big, like, you know, story that's being put out there about, oh, San Francisco at three, San Francisco at three. But, like, you're also hearing a lot of other, you know, sources within the league with other teams saying, like, I don't know about all that. I don't know if I'd be taking Mac Jones there. So, all of a sudden, if he falls to 10, if you're New England at 15 or Chicago or even Washington – like, I don't know. There's part of me that thinks that they might just wait and let him slide like a little bit more. Now, if it's Justin Fields, like you see in some mock drafts, then I think then I think you're playing ball. I think someone's gonna. I think somebody's willing to come up there and get him because I don't know, man. Like, and I'm not talking about anything off the field, okay? I'm being serious with this comment that I'm about to make. This is only on the field. I'm not making any other comparison other than on the field. Would you really be that surprised if Justin Fields ended up being the player that Deshaun Watson's been for Houston the last few years? I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised at all. And Deshaun Watson fell in that draft, and I didn't. I don't know how that that happened. You know, because I, you know, I say Deshaun Watson because obviously, you know, it's Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes in that draft. But I don't want to put anybody on Patrick Mahomes' level and say, oh, I think yeah. it's gonna be Patrick Mahomes. But Justin Fields is a guy that it would not surprise me at all if you know five six years from now that he's the second best quarterback in this draft. I just think, I think Trevor Lawrence is just such a solid, like once every 10 year guy, but 
I think that you're going to look back. I think Justin Fields is going to be one of the best quarter quarterback prospects of like a two, three year window of NFL drafts. I think so if he's there, I, I and I feel like other NFL teams feel the same way. If he would happen to be there and even, maybe even Trey Lance, I think it gets interesting, but if it's Mac Jones, I don't think they're going to get a lot off like enough, enough offered to them that they'd be willing to move back to 15 or 19 or 20. Yeah. The, the reason I asked that though, is because like everyone talks about trade back, you know, and all that type of thing. Uh, and our buddy Kavanaugh, he, he like named himself Captain Trade Down. But I'm like, I don't really think they would trade away from Sertan or Slater or, you know, I don't know how much they like. Jason I don't think Moore. they would either. They probably do. I don't even think they would trade away from it. I think they'd sit there, take their take their player, high five, and come back for day two. Unless, so, let's say, Fields is there and someone's going to give them a boatload. And they're yeah. just like, wow, we're going to get all these firsts. Like, and, and it's going to be from a team that if this doesn't work out or, or if Fields or somebody gets hurt, like they could be drafted in the top 10 and that's our pick. Like we're going to get all these firsts. Well then, yeah, you got to entertain it. Even if there's a guy you really like, you got to at least give it a thought. But if it's, if it's something that doesn't really wow you, I think if any of those guys you just named are there, I think they just take their player. Yeah. And also I think the, the, the one wild card with quarterbacks though, is always that if a team is just all in on it, um, they can do some weird things. Like we saw it with Trubisky um, if the Mac, if the Mac Jones rumors are true for San Francisco, we've you see it with that. Um, if a team believes in a quarterback, like I, I don't know, sometimes they can do weird things. But I agree, I don't think Mac Jones is is the guy to to you know that that's going to draw a huge haul back uh, to number ten. So I got an interesting one here from Big Sauce who asks, any solid tackles <laughs> worth looking at in the second or third round? So how do you guys want to interpret that? I was going to go with offensive tackles. Uh, or do you think that he meant defensive tackles? I think he meant offensive tackles because right. I think I, the, we all agree that's a uh, kind of high on the needs list, right? Right, right, right. So for me, and I know we shouldn't do this because you can be put in a bad spot here with, uh, you know, when you compare, well, we you, we can't be drafting any more corners from LSU because Mo Claiborne didn't work out, or we have to keep drafting these guys because the other guys from this university work out. And we shouldn't do this, but I'm going to do it. Because of that, I really like that Liam Meikenberg. Now, he might end up being yeah. better as a guard. Dane's talked about that, but like Notre Dame is an offensive line factory. And so... He's, I, I mean, he's not on the, you know, Zach Martin level and Mike McGlinchey and Quentin Nelson, but they seem to, Ronnie Stanley, um, but I, he he interests me there. And, and the reason I bring him up, and we'll talk about this a little bit later on, is that Dane Brugler put out his latest seven-round mock, and in the second round, he ended up going safety. But Eichenberg was there, and it made me think, like, that's a possible spot there, especially, especially if they think he can play tackle. You know, if he if he has some position flex there, he interests me there. The other guy that I don't know as much about that you guys can kind of maybe fill me in on here would be the the Samuel Cosme from Texas. I would say he'd be another guy in the second round. Um, and then a little bit later, and again going back to Dane's mock, he brought he mentioned this guy up. Dane's got this guy ranked as his eleventh best uh, offensive tackle. He's more of, of of a you know late third, and they do have the two third round picks. But he mentioned a guy by the name of Deontay Smith out of East Carolina. And so he's, you know, you know, big six, five, you know, 305 pounds, whatnot, but he's more of a, a project. And so in this situation, if you're looking at second, especially third, if they take one of these guys with one of those third round picks, I think he'd be okay with a project a little bit. If you think he projects as being a starter down the line. Um, 
but again, when I say that, I know there'll be people that listen to this and say, yeah, that's what they thought in the third round with Chaz Green. And that, yeah. and, 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 and believe me, I've went back and looked at this over the last decade. Chaz Green is really their only miss in the third round. Like they've hit in the third round. Now you can argue about second round. You can argue about first round. Like third round has been really good for the Cowboys. And the fact that they have the two picks there, um, you know, I know it's a new coaching staff, but a lot of the guys in the front office, scouting staff, obviously Will McClare is still there. Like, I mean, you could get, you know, two pretty good players in the third round there. Yeah, and like I think so it's clearly Sewell and Slater up top. I know we asked about day two, but I, I do want to throw this in here because I think it's important. I don't know what they think about him, but I don't think it's crazy for Elijah Vera Tucker from USC, who kind of tackle and guard, whatever you need him to be. I don't think it's crazy for him to be in the discussion at ten. And I mean, I'm not I again I think there's I think there's a clear level between Sewell and Slater. But I don't think it's insane. I, I'm I, Elijah Vera Tucker could play. What so, what would uh, what would disappoint fans more at that, ten? Elijah Vera, no, hold on, Elijah Vera Tucker, Quitty Pay, Quitty Pay, because you can you can directly put that on Taco, right? Uh, but the, <laughs> Elijah Vera Tucker, I can use the USC. I card love and say, coming Tyron. up with worse. My favorite thing to do during this time of year is come up with worst case scenarios. Just, to, just well, to, what is absolutely the, the just the worst thing that could happen. And, and and here's what I try not to do is you try not to like you know uh, as, as we call it like not scout the helmet right. But mm-hmm. Samuel Cosby, okay, you want some Connor Williams? You know, you can just like do that, yeah. and I think that gets fans off sides a little bit. You brought up Samuel Cosby. I think he's a good player. I I have a third round grade on him, but. I know a lot of people like him. I think Dane has him as his, you know, fifth offensive tackle. Eichenberg, I love Eichenberg. A lot of people are talking about Tevin Jenkins. He's the offensive tackle from Oklahoma State, and he is a bully. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, he's a very good player. I've got Eichenberg just a, a notch above him, but those are my second-round guys. Jalen Mayfield's from Michigan, and a lot of people like him. And Jalen Mayfield can play guard and tackle, much like Vera Tucker can, much like Penny Sewell and Rashawn Slater could in a pinch. Much like Tevin Jenkins could if you needed him to. And with this team, with my offensive line, I like those types of guys because I like, I can't tell you that I know what I'm going to need. Not this year, and the the year after. Because, like, let's not act like Lyle's health is some, like, clear thing. Like, there's a lot of questions. And if you get a guy who can play guard, too, I don't think that's a bad thing. What about uh, Walker Little from Stanford here? 6'7", 313, almost 34-inch arms. And, and Walker Little, if he would have stayed healthy, he would have been a top five type of guy. Uh, but he got hurt in 2019 where he tore his ACL, and then he set out in 2020. So you're talking about a guy who hasn't played since 2018, and that becomes a problem, right? Like, that's that's the, my only issue here. But, like, I love him. I love the, the measurables are very obvious. But, like, this guy, when he played at Stanford in 2018, was awesome. Um, so, I mean, we're talking like, I'm talking legit top five, top, not top five. I need to be stingy with these guys. Top 10 potential. And then his ACL goes and he sits out, but I'm not doing that at 44. You know, pick 75 in round three. I'd do that. I absolutely would do that if I hadn't taken a tackle. Yeah. Yeah. To, to go back to the question, like for me, Alex Leatherwood is also someone who had a really good senior bowl um, or had a good senior bowl showing. So if, if that's if that's a second, third round option, I'd be in on that too because, um, look, uh, it, you, you sometimes you have to be careful with those kind of players that play at those kind of programs because you have Mac Jones, you got 
you know, all these superstars. You got all the. I, I didn't he have also uh, Deontay Brown right next to him and everything. So like you have all this talent around him, but I do think Alex Leatherwood was, was is a quality option as well. And, and you know what? Can I throw this out there real quick? I'm sorry. Like you have what well, we got forty four. You're probably not going to move from that. Most likely, you're probably not going to pack. You know what about packaging? I know John, you were excited about having two round three picks, but how would you package seventy five and ninety nine, and that gets you into the top sixty? That gets you to fifty five or fifty eight. You know, in that range. You know, it I would, it would all depend on the player. Be. It would all depend on on who's there and, and yeah. who's fallen, and you know if you know it's a another Trayvon Diggs situation where you're just like, wow, I thought this guy was going to be gone at the end of the first round. He's still here, you know, back into the second, let's make a move. Yeah, sure. But if it's just like, you know, another guy that you're like, we think he can be a solid starter, probably not a star, but whatever. I'd rather take my chances with the two third round picks. Yeah, I think I agree. I think I agree. That's right. good though. We talked about a lot of good names there though. And I, I, I think if they end up with those four picks in the top 100, if they end up with not taking an offensive lineman, I think that's a mistake, personally. That's all. Ty Gilbert, Ty Gilbert has a true or false here. Is an offensive player pick at 10 an indirect assist to the defense? Uh, if this was my first year covering the Cowboys, <laughs> I would go ahead and say, sure, true. And I've heard people make this claim. But I've watched this defense for too long. You know what's an assist to this defense? defense? A playmaker. Like, give me a playmaker. Any level, a playmaker. A guy that gets pressure, takes the ball away. That's what an assist to the defense would be. And I think, I think also, when you talk about assisting the defense, it can't be hot garbage. Like, the defense is hot garbage right now. So I, I, this conversation came up a lot in 2016, right? Like, this was the whole Jalen Ramsey versus Zeke. Do you take a corner to help the defense, or do you take a running back that keeps the defense off the field? But but that defense was not this bad. So I, I agree. Like you need a playmaker on this defense. That is the biggest help to this defense. And, and honestly, this draft is not chock full of defensive playmakers, and that's what sucks. And I can tell you, we can talk about the safeties, the TCU, uh, Merrick. We can talk about Richie Grant from Central Florida. Javon Holland from Oregon. I mean, the list goes on there at safety. Guys they might consider, guys who might go late first round all the way slide into the third round. Uh, still not, we're not talking about game-changing uh, playmakers. And this is what's very frustrating with the Vander Esch pick not working out. And you can combine that with Taco, too. But I think when they drafted Taco, I think we all knew. That's uh, probably not really a you know, guy. I mean, we all, how, did they, how did we all know? That's the thing about the Taco thing. But with Leighton Vander Esch, his inability to stay healthy has been a problem. And then it's like, okay, well, there's a first-round pick that we wanted to be a defensive playmaker. It didn't happen. And then all of a sudden, the next year, you don't have a first-rounder because you traded for an offensive playmaker. And then you drafted offensive playmaker the year after that. So you're right. I'm with you. The defensive playmaker is the way to go. I'm not sure Sertan is that guy. Uh, I think Sertan is a very solid cornerback. I think he's very good. I don't, Sertan's not a five-interception type. Uh, or at least he hasn't proven to be, and you know, maybe he is. A, uh, turns out to be that, but he's not been that that ball hawking type of guy, you know. So uh, I I don't know I don't I don't know what to say. Like you know, until you start spinning that, 
Well, you know, you paid Demarcus Lawrence to be a playmaker, a playmaker right? Like, it's kind of where we're at here. Sucks. I wish I, I wish I had better answers here. You know. <laughs> Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with twenty four seven U.S. based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Scott Ruggieri, I'm probably not saying that right, but hey, people get Michelle wrong all the time. We'll move on. Uh, how does Patrick Sertan and J.C. Horn compare to the top cornerbacks in, the, in, the past, in past drafts? Um, for me... Um, you won't put anybody in this draft and probably not in any soon that are on the same level as Jalen Ramsey, as far as I'm concerned. So we can just go ahead and get that name out of there where he would fall with where those guys would follow me is probably a little bit closer to maybe CJ Henderson, Denzel Ward, but I wouldn't even put those guys with Jeffrey Okuda and Jeffrey Okuda didn't even have a better rookie year than Trayvon Diggs. Now that might have to do with the team, uh, that he was drafted by going to the lions and that, but I, I find it hard to believe if Jeffrey Okuda is in this draft, just off my many conversations, knowing that the Lions were likely to take him, that I've had with Dane Brugler, that if he's in this draft, he's going probably top five or six. And and neither of these guys are being talked about going that high. I mean, I think the Cowboys are right in that sweet spot of kind of right where like Sertan or Horn should go. I don't think there's anybody saying that. I don't know. I think one of these corners needs to go top five, like you would say with Ramsey or, or Okuda. That's just how I feel. I think I agree 100%. You know, with it's uh, you also like when these guys get in the league, they immediately like you start to take a hit. Now, Kuda actually had some injury questions going into his first year. It's like all those Ohio State cornerbacks at some point have 
some question or another. Even Marshawn Lattimore, before his off-the-field stuff happened, it was like, his hamstrings, what's going on? Sean Wade's an Ohio State cornerback that's interesting because, you know, last year we would have been talking about him going in the first round. And now we're talking about him. Is he going to get drafted before the sixth round? Is someone going to move him to safety? Uh, but to answer that question, I, I, I don't think – I don't think anything changes for them. I do think they genuinely love Sertan and Horn and would have loved Farley before the back stuff. Uh, and maybe Sertan, maybe Sertan blew it all away, quite honestly, for them. I kind of like Farley a little bit more because you could see some some ball skills a little more clearly. But, you know, Sertan at times was ignored at Alabama. They, they went to pick on the other guy, so... It's uh, it's kind of it's kind of funny. You know, what's interesting about Sertan and, and Horn to me is everyone talks about like, hey, J- uh, J.C. Horn though. The thing that he's got, he's just so grabby down the field, and he is like he is grabby, and then he immediately looks at the refs. But like Sertan is such a genius, and it might just be because his dad played the position. He'll be grabby down the field too. It's not as bad as J.C. Horn, but it ain't like he ain't touching people down the field. He just doesn't look at the referee after each play, like. J.C. Horn's like, what? Hey, no flag? Good, we're good? Like, kind of does the Luca after each play. Like, oh, we're good? Like, Patrick Sertan does not look at the ref once. He's like, oh, I didn't touch him. I didn't touch him. You know, plays it cool. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, I think I think with those two guys, also, what, the best way to assess that is how do you how do you kind of feel about the offensive talent, right? And that that's that's mocked ahead of them. I think Trevor Lawrence yeah. is game changer. Panay Sewell is game changer. And Kyle Pitts, game changer, right? So if you're looking yeah. at that and you're still projecting the top corner to go at number 10, that means the top corner is not all that elite. Uh, and that, again, not taking we're, we're comparing to past drafts. Certain is still a, a good talent and, and all that. Um, but if you're comparing to the past drafts, I think that's kind of how you look at it, where I think, you know, you, you would, whether it was Okuda or whoever else, would probably be slotted at least after Lawrence and Sewell, um, and then maybe even Pitts. But these guys are mocked and, and expected to go quite a bit after. So I think that just says that that just speaks volumes. Uh, our last reader question is, is going to come from Matt Colby, and he says, "Give me your nightmare draft scenario at pick 10. And I'll be I'll be honest, I really don't think there's any huh. real nightmares, but I'll give you what I think is would be the worst. And so, to me, what the Cowboys don't need is a quarterback or a wide receiver. So you want those guys to go. So if I'm giving you my worst case scenario, it's kind of what KT mentioned earlier with Mac Jones being the one quarterback that's there and there's no one really trying to trade up. They're going to kind of like let him fall. The other one is that there's not really that run on receivers that, you know, you've seen a lot of mock drafts, multiple receivers going in the top 10. I wouldn't be surprised at all if Jamar Chase is the only receiver to go in the top 10. And so if that happens, you're sitting there with Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddle available to you but you're not really going to take them. And so that probably, I still think that the Cowboys are a good, good player. The reason why I think it's kind of a bad scenario for them though, is because both those players are still sitting there for the Eagles and giants who are drafting right after you. And I would just be very surprised if that's the scenario that one of those two teams, if not both end up with one of those Alabama wide receivers. And it sure feels like there's going to be some movement. You know, I don't know what Atlanta's going to do at four. I, I don't know what's going to happen at eight with Carolina now that they've made the Darnold trade. It would be interesting if they took a quarterback. That would be nice if they went ahead and doubled up and just to be safe and took another quarterback. And I don't think that would be a, a bad decision at all for them. I think that's actually kind of smart to kind of build themselves out. We got two options here. 
to me, of the na- the names we've talked about, the worst case scenario, and we're, and we're being realistic, the realistic worst case scenario to me is J.C. Horn, and I like J.C. Horn fine, but I would prefer Sewell or Slater or Sertan. Well, hold on, hold on, hold on. I, uh-huh. are, are, are you saying of... I don't think you can rule out Quiddy Pay or Ojolari. <laughs> You're right. Okay, that's the worst case scenario. You're right. And then you brought this up on our la- last <laughs> week on our last yeah. podcast. And you know what? After you brought that up, some like national people started kind of taking off. And I don't know if they heard it from you or whatever uh, on <laughs> I doubt our that. podcast. I, doubt, like, I uh, doubt that. Was it? I believe it was Daniel Jeremiah. Kind of had it. I know. I, I saw. Yeah, Quiddy Pay there. Yeah. And it, no, it made me laugh. But no. Uh, now Daniel Jeremiah is way more plugged than I am. So I'm wondering if maybe he heard that from somebody that maybe that they were interested in Quiddy Pay. I'm just saying if Dan Quinn is looking at this roster and doesn't see much you know great depth at edge rusher which is certainly possible because it's all i mean really a lot of this comes down to his view to me and almost really just one player and it's randy gregory if he thinks randy gregory is 16 oh sorry 17 game right defensive end let's go then probably not but if he's like yeah i got a lot of questions there but then he also feels really good about quitty pay or ojalari i mean you can't completely rule it out there because generally speaking edge rushers are the, are more of a premium than than corners are, you know. So I don't think it will happen, but I don't think you can completely dismiss the possibility. Yeah, I think for my worst case scenario, I'll just kind of cheat and piggyback off of what John said. It's it's the fact that the Giants and Eagles are the two picks right after. I, I know John mentioned the wide receivers, but for me, it's any any player. Like if if you if you pick anybody at ten and they don't pan out. And then the next two picks, you know, something does work out uh, for one or both of the Giants or the Eagles. That's, you know, you got to see those guys uh, twice a year for the next 10 years. That's the, I mean, you've seen it in the past, right? Like whether it was Taco, TJ Watt, uh, Juan Thornhill, whatever. It's like the guys that go right after what you, what you expected them to. That's probably the one that in hindsight will probably hurt the most. And, and, and to be honest with you, I really think that if you ask most Cowboys fans, and I'll just ask you guys what you think about this, if if you don't want to see like an impact player go to one of your division rivals that are the next two picks right after you, I would think that you would rather them have J.C. Horn or Patrick Sertan than you'd want to see them with Devontae Smith or Jalen Waddell. Yeah, it's interesting how this works, though, because like... I mean, I don't know how much truth there is to it, but like, you know, even Philadelphia jumping ahead of Dallas to get Dallas Goddard um, when yeah. they were like, oh, Cowboys need a tight end because Witten just retired. Uh, I, I don't know how this whole dynamic within the division truly does work, but it is it is very interesting on how some of those things do work out. If Pay or Georgia's uh, Ojulari or let's just throw in Miami's Jalen Phillips as well, those edge rushers, were in play at 10, and one of those guys were the pick. It wouldn't be the same level of shock, but it would be a discount version of shock comparable to the Raiders taking Cleveland Farrell at four a few years back or whatever pick that was. It was top, taking Cleveland Farrell in the top yeah. five when a lot of people had him mocked in the you know 15 to 25. I think the rest of the league would go, huh? You left all these good players on the board because – those guys are all good players in their own right too. And I think once you get to like 14, maybe in Minnesota where they're at, you know, once you start getting there, I think you can start talking about those guys being like realistic options in the draft. But this is the thing that you have to remember when you're picking 10, you have to be 
super, 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 super picky. I mean, very, very stingy about the player you're getting. And if you're taking a defensive end there at 10, you're just clear, you're clearly going to be leaving better players on the board. But the Cowboys could make a very easy argument that they need a defensive end more than they need a cornerback. Um, and it would not be a good say. Like if we're just taking, obviously you'll figure out what happens later on the draft, but right now you look at it, I mean, you can patch together Trevon Diggs, Jordan Lewis, and Anthony Brown. It ain't great. It's not what you're trying to do, but it feels like you, you're definitely going to need to get a defensive end. And I don't think it would, would it shock you guys at all if they've made up their mind at some point, whatever way we're going to do this, one, their first three picks, we've got to get a cornerback, we've got to get a defensive end, and we've got to get an offensive tackle. And they roadmap it out some way. That wouldn't be surprising. And if you are going to roadmap it out, if you're going to take a defensive end, you might as well just do it early at 10. I don't like it, though. I don't like it. But I could see their thought process going that way because they love taking two positions, cornerback and defensive end. They will take all of those guys. So the last question is the one from me. And that's just if you guys yourselves were a top draft prospect, would you rather get picked in the top 10 or fall completely out of the first round, but you go to the absolute best situation for you? Because I, I'm all about falling out of the first round. And that's because the most NFL football I've watched in my life is of the Detroit Lions. And so uh, I don't care about that first round money. Like, I, I plan on playing in the league for a decade. I'd rather go to the best situation. What position am I playing? Whatever you want. You want to be quarterback? I mean, if I want the money, I'm playing quarterback, right? When you think about I it. I, still, I just still think you make I'm telling you, I've said this to Saad a million times. Like, Tom Brady's career is completely different if, he, if he's drafted by Detroit. What completely about, um, great example here, <laughs> what about Lyle Collins? Somebody who may probably would have been a first round pick, but fell out. I mean, was, but fell in arguably a right situation, right? I mean, he didn't get drafted and it was a, yeah, was I'm trying to think fact. who was up there, who would have probably taken him in the first round. I remember I he was like just... the second or third tackle that year. Oh, absolutely. He? He was... Absolutely. He was yeah, definitely, I mean, he was a lock first rounder. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's a good question though. And, and I think you go back and I, I like KT's question back though, because it does depend on the, on the position. Cause you know, we like, if Dak Prescott goes number one overall in 2002, he probably doesn't. He probably has the same career that David Carr has. But if David Carr goes in the fourth round in 2016, he might have a similar career to Dak. I mean, I don't know. Like, you know, so I think it does depend a little bit on the position and the situation there, too. Because if you're a quarterback going to a team in shambles on the offensive line, you're, you're super screwed. But if you're a wide receiver, you could probably milk out that first contract and still go to a go to a decent team afterwards. But if I'm picking just like, you know, if you're asking just in general, like I'd rather just fall out and go to a good good situation. Because I think Matthew Stafford's about to have a career year. And it makes me think a lot about how much better, let's say, if Barry Sanders was the one that went to the Dallas Cowboys and we're in behind those lines in the 90s. Or if Calvin Johnson got a chance to go play with Tom Brady in New England um, but you know, see those things, guys. But see those guys. It still worked out for them. That's why I think quarterback no, is a it, little different. Yeah, ish, ish. Yeah. I don't know that it's a hundred percent worked out for them. I I can tell you this right now. I don't know that Barry Sanders only plays a decade if he's with the Cowboys. That's he true. hung it up because of the fact that it was like, well, this isn't going anywhere. <laughs> and I feel the same way about Calvin Johnson. So it's like, and and hey, it's not just a Detroit thing. You can say a lot of the same stuff about Cleveland Browns, 
uh, Oakland Raiders, you know, going back to the, the Cleveland Farrell thing. I mean, I mean, the Raiders are notorious for pulling off these picks early in the first round that where it's like, we're the smartest guy in the room and they just constantly are disasters. So I don't know. I just think that there's several teams that draft often in the top 10 that I think I would rather just, you know, go ahead and drop me down in the second instead of uh, being that third overall pick, Joey Harrington. Uh, I'll, I'll be the second round guy, Russell Wilson, and I'll go to Seattle. Uh, that, that'll work out better for me. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Yeah. The difference between pick 10 and pick 33, okay, is $2 million. Wow. So it's not, Crazy. It's not as big a discrepancy as I thought. Yeah, it's not. Uh, Especially uh, with real- the money that they're getting now. Okay, I know we gotta go here. I'll do. A, I'll do a couple local car dealership commercials. I'll make <laughs> that up. Yeah, some, I'll, I'll get the yogurt endorsement that Cam Newton. I, I, t- I told this same argument before. I told this to, to Dak one time after uh, in the locker room uh, after a practice, and I was like, "It worked out better for you because you got to go to the Cowboys anyway. Like, you don't want to go to the Lions." And he's like, "And he said that he's like, no, but when you're like, you're, you know, you're the quarterback, you believe that like no matter where you go, that you can turn it around." And to your guys' point, if you are the quarterback, you were you are going to have more, um, you know, you're going to have more say. You know, to be the leader that Dak is, if he's the left tackle, it's not going to carry as much weight. I'm sorry, it just yeah. doesn't. You know, but when you're the quarterback, that that could be the piece that turns it around. So maybe maybe I, that's different for them. I know we got to go. I want to keep this under sixty seconds if we can, or ninety seconds. I went to the Ranger game last Friday night, and I saw the darndest thing: three guys sitting on my row. I'm sitting out in left field. Three guys. They're all wearing Detroit Lions jerseys. One is Stafford, <laughs> one is Barry Sanders, and one is Calvin Johnson. Three guys sitting together at a Rangers and Padres game wearing Detroit Lions jerseys. I hate jerseys. that. That's one of my biggest pet peeves is the uh, wearing a, a sports jersey at a game that it's not that sport or it's not even a city of the teams playing in the sport. I, I don't understand. You're just showing it's everybody that you're a bit. fan of sports <laughs> in general. I just, I just love the Lions and going to a baseball game. But – that that you're right, Kevin. That was a like a planned bit. Like they all three were like, <laughs> "All right, we're gonna wear our Detroit jerseys." So I, that's very. There's odd. a lot of questionable decisions. And that Matt Stafford doesn't even when... play there anymore. So what's that? <laughs> yeah, right. Well, none of those guys play there anymore. <laughs> well, I mean, like those other guys are Hall of Famers, but uh, you know, like it's. But but they're Lions fans, so there's something wrong with them, anyways. Yeah, they're, they're, they've been traumatized. Crazy people. <laughs> well, yeah, but if they're gonna do the bit, like. <laughs> Like, like go all in with the bit. Like, okay, here we go. I've got a, um, you know, here's Herman Moore, like a little less known. Like, Herman, like no that. offense to Herman Moore's great career, a Scott Mitchell jersey, you I know, like and then unless we're a Javid Best, you know, jersey. Ooh. You know what I'm saying? Like, make them real obscure if you're going to do it. Like, if you're going to do the bit, go all in. It was What's a half a, measure. It's one of my favorite things about, about home games working in the media is seeing the obscure Cowboys jerseys that you see because you'll see some like mid-aughts gems you know some some uh i don't even uh, grammatica or something you know like <laughs> yeah. just some random yeah, but, okay like, how do you even have this jersey and they're still wearing it in 2021 is, is so i honestly fun. can't think of one of those that i've ever seen oh dude I'm saying, if you I drive think antonio in, brown's just, probably just the walk, worst one walk around the tailgate area like you no, know i have a bunch of times oh and my i gosh. just i don't know i guess i can kind of understand I, because like, i always make sure and look out for it every time i go and try try and think what's the most obscure one i can find between now and when i get inside and uh it, <laughs> it never fails yeah I love okay it. but joseph but randall KT. KT, if you saw a Scott Mitchell Lions jersey, I'm not asking John this because John grew up watching the Lions. Would you think it's Scott Mitchell or a custom jersey of that person's last name on the back of the jersey? If it was 19, I would be. I would immediately think Scott Mitchell personally. 
Okay. But ju- that's it. What if it was Charlie Batch? Of- what if it was Charlie Batch? Okay, Batch is interesting. <laughs> it might be like, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I would probably think that that person just had a custom jersey made and that was just their last name. Like, who the hell gets a Scott Mitchell jersey? <laughs> that's at the very beginning of my football consciousness. <laughs> so, like, I, yes, that was where that hits. But uh, hey, guys, this is a fun uh, podcast. Thanks to everyone who asked the questions. We do want to remind you if you go to The Athletic, that you check out Dane Brugler. Um, and what he's done here is he put out a seven round mock draft. I've he, he does this every year. I've seen this thing get upended by like the Eagles trading up to two. I've seen this happen, like where he released it, and then later that day the Eagles made a trade. Uh, it puts puts in a lot of work getting a seven round mock drafts harder than you think. And uh, go check that out. Um, and he's got the Cowboys picks. It's all it's it's very easy read and it's it's very fun. So make sure you check that out as well. And, of course, his uh, draft guide is must-read content this time of year. John's cranking out content all the time, as you know. Sod is your beat writer for the Dallas Stars, who just can't seem to get a win in overtime. It's amazing. I haven't seen anything like it. They cannot win an overtime game. It's unreal, Sod. I can't believe it. It's amazing. It truly is. But also, on top of that, John, Bob, and I will also have a – big combo mock coming up uh, in a few days as well. Oh, that's going to be awesome. Cannot wait for that. Um, so we're going to be here. Hey, we're going to be here. The draft is coming up in a couple weeks. Um, so, um, you know, make sure you just keep going to the athletic all the time. Uh, for our producer, Kent Garrison, for Saad Yusuf, for Father John Machado, I'm KT. We'll see you next time. Another edition of Bathroom Cowboys. Peace. Y'all stay corona-free, all right? And God bless. <laughs> Ha, 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 ha.